0: This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at slash Fool. It's Monday, December 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Munkerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Good to see you guys. Hey, you too. We're not in the typical studio. No, we're not. Longtime listeners may already be alert to this fact. I don't know what the acoustics are like, but we are we are we've been displaced. We're not in a Shake Shack in New York City, (laughs) but we have been displaced from our regular studio for a couple of days as uh, the lighting grid is being worked on. Yeah, displaced, not demoted.
1: So our Periscope (laughs) podcasts are going to look great in 2017.
0: In 2017, the Periscopes that we do, the Facebook Lives that we do, those are going to. For all you people who have checked those out and said, "God, I kind of <laughs> like these guys," but the lighting—can lighting. they do something <laughs> yeah. about the lighting? We've heard you, and we're going to fix the lighting. That's being worked on right now. We got a, a one news item to get to before we we do sort of a a Christmas stock theme on today's episode. To this, this really should be to the surprise of no one. But uh, this weekend at the box office, Rogue One was number one. 155 million at the box office in North America, nearly 300 million worldwide. It's the second biggest December opening. And.
2: <laughs> He's speechless.
0: I'm, I'm speechless, but in that sort of head shaking way of when I saw this morning the Bank of America put out a note, a sort of a, a positive note on Walt Disney shares, and the lead in their note was about. The movie side of the business, and I just said, "Uh, "Yeah, I think we've been talking about this for months now." I would say we've been talking
2: about it probably for years. Mm -hmm. That's Walt Disney is a very popular recommendation in our foolish universe. I mean, a lot of services have recommended, a lot of our real money portfolios own it. Uh, We own it in million dollar portfolio as well, and I think that what what Walt Disney is demonstrating today. Is that while the concerns of ESPN are certainly understandable, uh, this business is so much more than just that, and I think it's really starting to, to sort of flex its muscles in that capacity. I mean, if we look at just what Star Wars: The Force Awakens did with just a little bit over two billion in box office revenue, let's assume that in the grand scheme of things, Rogue One, let's say it gets to a billion. I don't think that's unreasonable. It's going to be a little bit higher, a little bit lower you got to figure that by the time these guys release the third movie in the Star Wars story, they will have paid for this acquisition in full. And then everything else is just basically icing on the cake. And they can tell these stories for probably the rest of our lifetimes, in all honesty. I mean, I, I would be willing to bet that by the time uh, we hit 60, we're probably still checking out a Star Wars movie, <laughs> and, and, and maybe, uh, maybe even beyond that. So, I think it really is, a testament to not only how wise of an acquisition this was, but it really folds in nicely with the Pixar deal, with the Marvel deal, and it really demonstrates how how much of a competitive advantage really Disney has in just that IP catalog. And and they can just continue to exploit that for years and years to come. I just I get the concerns about ESPN. and and, hey, perhaps even ESPN gets spun out at some point. And that's fine, too, because really, I think what we're seeing here is that challenge is notwithstanding, I think that Walt Disney is a much bigger company than just that one property.
1: And I think they're playing with house cards, because a lot of what you're seeing out of the movie's is franchises that have been successful. You've got Pirates of the Caribbean, Star Wars, uh, Captain America, The Avengers. So you're seeing these things that have proven themselves and continue to prove themselves over time. And they have eight of the top twenty opening weekends ever, totaling almost one and a half billion dollars. So they've been keeping it going since 2006. That's the the oldest one out of that out of those eight, and that was a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And for ESPN, you know Amazon came to them maybe a month or two ago, wondering if maybe we can get some of their Lesser viewed content to go ahead and add that to the Prime subscription. So there's ways to monetize ESPN that they haven't really gotten into yet. And I think the acquisition of a stake in BAMTECH, MLB's streaming um, service, uh, I think that's going to prove to be a very underrated, under the radar. Um, maybe like th- 300 million they spent on that. So Very small chunk of change. And um, I think MLB, their app is one of the best streaming apps I've ever viewed. And uh, they just picked up the NHL deal. So I think that that could prove to be a way out or a way of growth for ESPN.
0: Well, and Jason, you mentioned the Marvel Universe, that acquisition. And look at how Disney has taken some properties and put them on the big screen to great success. The most recent Captain America movie, number one, but Disney has the top four grossing worldwide films this year. Yeah, I was gonna say so, with Rogue <laughs>
2: One. I mean, that's on top of Moana, which was just a right. total total yeah. smash.
0: Captain America: Civil War, Finding Dory, Zootopia, The Jungle Book. Those are your top four for worldwide uh, box office. But then they've taken other Marvel properties and had very good success going to Netflix and and spinning out. Jessica Jones and Daredevil and Luke Cage and uh, the uh, the Punisher one, which is I guess coming in 2017. So they, it's interesting because when you look at the stock, the stock is up a little bit today. It's basically flat for the year at this point, point. and it has sort of gotten its way back to being flat. It's up about 12 percent over the last couple of months. It still trails the overall market by about 10 percent year to date. But it's it's worked its way back. And it, it does sort of seem like the things we've been saying for months, if not years, about the movie business are starting to resonate with at least some on Wall Street, where it's like, oh, right. And maybe it, that's what it takes, is getting to the end of the year and checking the box office list and saying, oh, OK, I guess they are getting it done there. And oh, by the way, Shanghai Disney. <laughs> Just something we haven't mentioned yet, but something that is is going to be meaningful in 2017 and beyond to the bottom line at Disney Shanghai Disney. Yeah,
2: no question. And let's also add on to that the um, the addition of Star Wars Worlds in Disney World and Disneyland, and we're harping again on something that they do so well in their amusement parks segment. and And it's amazing to think about the pricing power that they've demonstrated over time with um, the amusement park side of the business. I mean they can continue just to raise ticket prices basically every year, probably, I mean in perpetuity at least it'll be able to keep up with inflation in that regard and then all of the ways they monetize those parks. So it's just it's just a phenomenal business from so many different perspectives and, it, and I think that it's easy to get kind of caught in that trap of listening to the financial media on any given day talking about the challenges that Disney faces with ESPN or if they release a flop like uh what was that, John Carter that was I guess less yeah. less than well received.
0: But yeah. I but mean their their studios sure, aren't perfect. They're not gonna knock
2: everything out of the park, but by the same token you have to sort of I, I I think you have to go into this sort of investment with the right perspective, and that is that it essentially really is one of those stocks that you want to hold on to as as long as you possibly can. I mean, this is a generational play where we lived it growing up. We're watching our kids live it now, and at some point down the line, their kids are going to be living it in some capacity. And, and so, I think that if you can look at this as kind of one of those holdings that you you truly want to hold indefinitely, that'll help you deal with the volatility. And even more so when you see situations where uh, it's out of favor and the stock price is depressed, like we saw here over the past few months. That that proved to be a reasonable time to go ahead, and maybe uh, either open a position or add to an existing one.
1: Fanaticism is a powerful flywheel. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> it absolutely is. I yeah, I just when I think about Disney in 2017, what be, what is number one on my list as a shareholder in terms of concern? It's not ESPN, as you said, Jason. I I get I get the challenge. I, I'm not concerned about that. It's Bob Iger. Yep. It's who's going to fill his shoes because the last time that There was a chief operating officer who was earmarked to take his place. That guy didn't last very long. So I really hope in 2017 someone someone gets elevated to that status. Let's let's talk Christmas stocks. And I want to go one that's a gift and one that's a lump of coal. So if you're giving someone a stock, and think in terms of three to five year timeline. So if you gave someone shares and said, listen, you you got to hold this for at least three years, but I'm confident it's going to pay off for you. Jason, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, and I know I'll probably uh, get an eye roll or two out of this, but I've got to look at TripAdvisor through this lens. and I I can't help but think that this is really um, an ideal time to be considering buying these shares. I mean, it has had a brutal 2016, no question about it. And as a shareholder myself, hey, I've, I've felt that pain as well. But I think there there are reasons to believe that 2017 and 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 further out, this is going to be a a very very opportunistic time. I think to buy these shares. And you know, when I look at investment ideas and I think about what makes for great investment ideas, I like to find things that are playing into a really big trend. Okay, and and mobile is one of the biggest trends out there right now. Uh, look at these huge market opportunities, and most certainly travel is a tremendous opportunity, multi-trillion-dollar. Industry, all, all inclusive. And TripAdvisor is just one of those small little businesses that fits in there. And for the longest time, they did really well, uh, just functioning sort of as this meta search hotel platform that more or less serves as like an advertising platform. Um, and the reason why it works so well is because TripAdvisor's always had strong engagement metrics, they have a strong, consistent user base. That continue to lob up reviews on restaurants, amusements, hotels, and everything, um, and that that engagement continues today. There have been no weaknesses in in regard to engagement. The biggest question mark was when they decided to make this change to the business. I mean, they made a fundamental change to the business model, and going from this meta search model where you could essentially just go in there and type in where you're going, and it would bring you a list of a bunch of hotels and prices, and then you would click off to either Priceline or Booking.com or wherever. Um, and what they're doing now is they're introducing this instant booking model, where they've, they've fully rolled it out, where you can now actually complete the booking on TripAdvisor, if you choose. It's important to note that this instant booking is not going to replace the meta-search function, it's additive. So, if you decide you want to go off and book that reservation somewhere else, you can. Uh, but what this ultimately does, it diversifies trip, uh, TripAdvisor's Revenue stream and it makes it a more powerful app. I think in, in in the end of the at the end of the day, and and really it was just this this IPO of Trivago that more or less reiterated this for me because Trivago is still a meta search engine that has spent a lot of money on advertising. It's brought in I think somewhere in the neighborhood of seven hundred million dollars or so, and, and is still actually losing money. And I think that they are going to have to they're going to face sort of the situation where they have to evolve their business so to speak tripadvisor has already made that move and we're seeing that booking.com is is becoming a part of that platform that exclusivity is wearing off we're going to see expedia becoming a part of the platform as well and and so i think that ultimately what we're going to see as time goes on is we're paying attention to a couple of metrics, the, the revenue per hotel shopper and actually just the hotel shoppers. We're seeing some green shoots, uh, some, some, some signs that this is taking hold. And management, again, very long-term thinking. Stephen Koffer runs this business with a three-, five-, ten-year time frame, uh, facing those sort of initial challenges with mobile monetization, kind of like we heard with Facebook back in the day as well. But again, I think the TripAdvisor is proving itself to be a very... Uh, productive and necessary app on, on many people's phones. It's a wonderful travel guide. So I think that if you're looking at that three to five time, three to five year timeline, then this is one it's a bit of a riskier play, but I think you have to at least give it a give it a nod.
0: Taylor?
1: I'm looking at global automation and Cognex is the company I'm looking at to benefit from that. Um, factory automation, logistical automation, you look at the, the number two one, no, one in two sectors that are its end customers are the automotive and the electronic space. But logistics are up and coming, it's been growing at about 30% per year over the last couple years. So, I'm looking at global logistics to really drive this business forward. While that continues to be very important in the electronics and automotive space, um, it, it barcode scanners, it's machine visioning technology. So, if you imagine your Amazon package rolling through the warehouse or UPS package ro- rolling through the warehouse, they've got these cameras set up everywhere, capturing the barcodes for sorting and everything like that. So. Uh, tremendously run business, very Foolish culture. We've had the CEO I was just going to say, didn't we, uh, we had him um, earlier remember this year? This year or last year that we had him. I believe it was this year, though. Yeah, at Simon
0: uh, Simon Erickson and Matt Argesinger mm-hmm. interviewed him.
1: That's right. Yeah, great interview. So, you would probably find that on fool.com somewhere. Um, but yeah, three to five years, factory automation, logistical automation. Cognex, I think, is the stock for that growth.
0: Alright, before we get to a lump of coal in the stock world, I uh, want to say thanks to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Boy, by the way you, you want to astonish someone around the holidays you you don't buy you don't buy them something they put under the tree you you buy them something that they can put the tree in I am <laughs> a home if you've ever bought a home you already know how frustrating and time consuming getting a mortgage can be rocket mortgage brings the whole process into the 21st century by taking all of the complicated time consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. You can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button and get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. And you can do it all on your phone or tablet, just in time for next Sunday, when you astonish that special someone in your life with a brand new home. Or, or just that that line of credit, right? Or, yeah. You, know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to buy a home or refinance your mortgage and put it under the tree next week? Check out Rocket Mortgage Today at Quickenloans.com fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all fifty states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org number thirty thirty. All right, let's be a little cruel. If you want if you wanna just give someone a stock that's a lump of coal and just say to them, you know what, in three years, in three to five years, this thing's gonna be worth next to nothing. What are you giving them? Okay, so and this would be the <laughs> this would be the opposite. This would be the ah, I really if you're thinking about buying shares and we love the idea of buying shares for someone around the anytime but certainly around the holidays. This is one where you might want to stay away from. This is the George Costanza. This is the do the opposite.
2: I <laughs> So I, I don't know that this will be worth next to nothing, but I have to believe it is going to face a lot of challenges just to live up to what this potential IPO is is uh, gonna bring in and and this is not a public company yet the IPO is expected at the beginning of 2017 it's snap incorporated mm-hmm. uh, people know it for snapchat and I I, I want to be careful here because I'm, n- I'm not belittling this business yet uh, they don't have really a track record for us to really Ping it.
0: You want to wait until you see the S one, and then you want to. And
2: I want to. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I want to see the S one. I will. I look forward to reading the S one a lot. I, I, but I will tell investors to be very wary of this IPO because it is going to get a lot of hype. It's Snap Incorporated, um, and it's already getting a lot of hype. And and everybody knows for Snapchat. Um, I have no doubt this could be an interesting business and one that could potentially do well over time. But but something that is really Kind of concerning here is sort of this this pivot they've made from being just known for that app Snapchat. I mean, this is they've changed essentially the reason for being. I mean, they they state quite simply that Snap Incorporated is a camera company. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've, what? Yeah, so I I've I don't I don't I'm not a I don't hate cameras, Chris. I I like them. They're okay, but let's look at some of these hardware plays through time and sort of extrapolate the possibilities of what could happen. Because, typically, hardware is a race to the bottom. What you want is, you want to have something that, that can be done with that hardware. Kind of like Jeff Bezos. He's like, we don't want to make money selling our devices, we want to make money when you use our devices. And uh, they've done a pretty good job of doing that. And, and I think that the concern, at least with Snap, is that you know, they believe that reinventing the camera is their greatest opportunity to sort of change the way people live and communicate maybe maybe not. I think there are a lot of sort of questions there. And so whenever you have a lot of questions there, I mean this is an IPO that's talking about going out there at about 12 uh, 20 uh, 25 billion dollars. Now now 25 billion dollars is a lot of money for a business that is going to bring in somewhere between 500 million and 1 billion dollars in 2017. So you see these forecasts and and remember, they're forecasts. This is a business that is still somewhat unproven. The metrics are fairly nebulous. It is certainly a a different platform. I mean, I've I've tried to fiddle around with Snapchat before and it just it was beyond me. Like I think it's great for communication. I'm not sure that monetizes so well. And so I just think you want to be very careful with all of the hype that this IPO is going to generate here in the beginning in the beginning of 2017. Dig into that S1, understand this business, Let's take some lessons away from sort of what we saw with Facebook, what we seen with Twitter, what we saw from LinkedIn, and let's see how Snap could could the challenges they may face, the opportunities they may have. Um, I, I think generally speaking at you know, 25 billion dollars, that's assuming a lot of success that I wouldn't automatically just give these guys.
1: Taylor? Um, I'm going to take some low-hanging fruit and just say the coal industry. I'm going to give the coal industry as coal. Your lump uh, of coal is yeah, coal stocks. Yeah, basically, you um, you know, you've know, you seen a run-up in these companies, um, not only to do with Donald Trump, but also um, because China decided to restrict the amount of days that their coal mines can be open from 330 per year to 276 per year. Naturally, that's going to lead to less production. But um, that's kind of kept some of the the higher cost, smaller producers alive, and so you've seen stocks rally. And I think that this rally for the next three to five years might be a good time to get out of these companies. I mean, you see the largest um, private coal miner in the world as Peabody, and that's uh, now in Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, and they're one of the lowest cost producers in the United States. I mean, they're going out of business predominantly because you've seen exports from the United States go down by a quarter in one year, and uh, you see expectations for that to continue to decline as Canada, France, these major countries around the world are talking about completely eliminating coal use to generate power by 2020, 2030, um, and and then even some bigger countries by 2050. So, long-term decline. Um, it's it's a globally produced commodity, globally traded commodity, and I just I, I can't see um, a light at the end of the tunnel, and I just look for this this rally that we've seen to be a good selling point for the next three to five years.
0: Three quick notes before we wrap up. Uh, first, this will not be a full week for us here at Market Foolery, and for that matter, neither neither will next week because the market is closed on Monday the 26th, Boxing Day. So, great time to check out some of the other Motley Fool podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher. Or at the Motley Fools Podcast Center. The holiday music will continue through the week. And if you want the list, as uh, some of you have indicated on Twitter and through email, just drop us an email, marketfoolery at fool.com, and we will get you the list. And last but not least, uh, we mentioned this on Motley Fool Money over the weekend, a brand new service here at the Motley Fool called Motley Fool Explorer headed up by Simon Erickson, um, David Gardner, Tom Gardner uh, involved, and an entire Explorer team. And you can check out all of the details just by going to goexplorer.fool.com. That's goexplorer.fool.com. I'll put the URL in the description of this podcast, and you can uh, you can check it out. Kick the tires. Jason Moser, Taylor welcome. thanks for being here, guys. Yes. As always, people on the program may have interest interested in the stocks they talked about and the Motley Fool made formal recommendations for or against so don't buy ourselves stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: back.